You're listening to Now Playing Podcast, the Children of the Corn series, guest starring Isaac, John Franklin. Let us give thanks to he who walks behind the rose, who protects our crops. The God of sacrifice. The God who walked on the face of the earth. He who walks behind the rose. He who walks behind the rose. He who walks behind the rose. God does speak to me in my dreams. And God has told me that it is now our time. Time to make sacrifice. Time to kill. Welcome to Now Playing's Children of the Corn retrospective series. It is written, a leader will come from the corn. Part of the now playing Stephen King movie review series. I offer this to he who walks behind the rose. Hosted by Stuart. This is my game. I've played it before and on better courts than yours. Jacob. He thought he had great spirit. And Arnie. Question me not, Malachi. I act according to his will. Join us at NowPlayingPodcast.com each week for a new movie review based on the works of Stephen King. I've read the book, and for the first time in my life, I know my purpose. This podcast will contain detailed plot spoilers and harsh language. Did your mother teach you how to talk like that? Only when your name came up. Listener discretion is advised. The time of judgment is now at hand. Let the harvest begin. We have your podcast! Children of the Corn, 666, Isaac's Return, starring Natalie Ramsey. If it's Isaac's Return, shouldn't Isaac star? Anyway, John Franklin, <laughs> Paul Popowich, and Nancy Allen. This is Arnie, the co-host of Now Playing, who's filled with joy as Isaac has risen! Isaac is risen! Stuart in LA. And this is he who podcasts behind the rose, Jacob. This has been my beacon in the dark, folks. <laughs> really? <laughs> Through all these corn sequels, especially part four, the torch I held was Isaac will return. I wanted it to return to Gatlin and to Isaac and he who walks behind the rose, the jealous god who wants you too, Malachi. That whole dynamic just sucked me in in the first movie and they have failed to return to that. So I was looking forward to this thinking this could be a return to form for the corn. I mean, we know John Franklin has a growth hormone deficiency. I figured he'd be playing the same age and we'd be picking up maybe even an 80s period piece. But this is the late 90s and this was popular to do. I mean, Halloween H2O brought back Jamie Lee Curtis. It's not a surprise that they went back to the icons of the original to see if there was new life in an old slasher. I think that that was probably a wise thing to do. But I'm surprised it took a part six for them to come up with this. They didn't. John Franklin did. He'd been bumming around Hollywood for 15 years now and finally said Hollywood's not going to make films for a five-foot actor. I'm going to make one myself. He went to Dimension and said, I'd like to come back as Isaac. And they're like, okay, work with someone, work on a script. He was a creative impetus for this entire film. He even is 
co-writer. That's a shock. Yeah, that's what I wanted to bring up. You might be excited that Isaac is returning in front of the camera. The fact that he's picking up the pen or the word processor or whatever, less a joyous occasion, might I say. It would be more encouraging if Stephen King (laughs) came back to the cornfield and wrote the sequel. The fact that, yeah, we have Isaac writing this as a star vehicle for himself because he can't find work. That's not encouraging at all. Well, I will say I, I'm kind of with you, Arnie. I, I don't know if I describe this movie as a light mm. in the darkness. But yes, I could see if this series, if there's a bright point to hope for once we get to a part six in a franchise, bringing what worked the best in that first film back seems like the way to go. Yeah, bring Isaac back. Bring this actor back. I'm shocked to hear that he wrote it because he does so little here. You <laughs> thought he would have written himself more lines, more parts, something to do in this film. You would have thought that it would have been in continuity with the original movie, but I, hey. Yeah, I don't even know what's going on in this film, so I can't tell if it's in continuity or not. According to John Franklin, this is a direct sequel to the original film. All those other films that we've watched... No longer happening. This was also in vogue to do, as you mentioned with H2O, Stuart. Ignore the bad sequels and create a direct one to the original. That's what they felt they were doing here, which makes the numbering of calling it 666 more confusing. Yeah, and the confusion continues. Arnie, I think you ought to give them uh, something close to a plot, and then we can go step by step through this very confusing cornfield. Confusing? I don't know what you mean. <laughs> oh, really? All right, there was one major point of confusion for me, but we'll get into it. Here's what I figured out. 19-year-old Hannah, played by Natalie Ramsey, is on her way to Gatlin, Nebraska to find roots. No, not the roots of the corn, but her birth mother. She had been put up for adoption as a baby and raised in California, but her dreams of Gatlin, some might call them visions, cause her to ignore what she read on the internet about a boy preacher who led a murderous cult of children. Besides, Isaac's now in a coma. Huh? All right. (laughs) So what can go wrong? And his hair's back to black. Continuity. Remember that scene from the first film? The coma scene? (laughs) I don't remember the coma scene. And he doesn't have those forehead scars from the meatball horns they put on him. We'll talk about him a lot. Talk some shit about him. But Hannah has a couple of her visions on the road. First, she sees a preacher who turns out to be imaginary. Then a vision of a child in the road causes her to crash her car into the corn. And after wrecking her car, she's picked up by a female police officer who says, It's her. And takes her to the local doctor, played by Stacy Keach, who must need work. Lifelong resident of Gatlin. I guess the kids never got to the hospital. <laughs> But Hannah's arrival somehow causes Isaac, who's been in a coma for 19 years, to awaken and reclaim his position as head of the corny cult. More, he has a son named Matt, the firstborn child after the children killed their parents. And per a prophecy, the firstborn son of the corn, Matt, is to father a child with the firstborn female of the corn, who I don't think I need to tell any close listener, it's obviously Hannah. The child they bear will be the first of a new generation of the Chosen. Hannah isn't really into that, but she sticks around town despite seeing Get Out or Die written in blood on her shower. And she's finally reunited with her mother, Rachel, played by Stephen King alum Nancy Allen. And Rachel tells Hannah that she should leave town because everything she's doing is playing into the prophecy. 
Well, Hannah doesn't leave town, and so she continues to play into the prophecy. (laughs) (laughs) What is the prophecy? Can someone give me a copy of it? I'd like to read it over. (laughs) And so it all goes to hell, no pun intended, in the climax, when Isaac tries to make Matt mate with Hannah, which Matt's girlfriend Morgan isn't so keen on, so she helps Hannah escape. Isaac orders his son to kill Morgan, but Matt won't, so Isaac does. Which leads us to Gabriel, and I haven't mentioned Gabriel, but he's a leather jacket-clad mysterious dude who's hung around the background and helped Hannah from time to time, and here he helps her again by escaping and then helps himself by sleeping with her. Then, as they're presumably going to leave town, Gabriel wanders into a barn to tell Matt to sacrifice himself by falling upon his own scythe, and while Gabriel's gone, Hannah is captured and taken to Isaac. But before Isaac can do much of anything except preach, Gabriel interrupts. Turns out, twist ending, Gabriel is really the firstborn son of Gatlin, but Isaac denied him so that Matt, Isaac's own son, would be the father of the Chosen. But the joke's on Isaac, as Gabriel is he who walks behind the rose incarnate and proceeds to impale Isaac on a lead pipe. But Rachel stabs Gabriel, and she and Hannah flee, though we know... Hannah is pregnant with he who crawls behind the rose as credits roll. (laughs) I thought we got the baby in the last film. Yeah, exactly. What happened with that one? That was a totally different town. Totally different cult. Now we're back to Gatlin. Is it everything you'd hoped it would be? (laughs) I'm just going to say right off the bat, I came in with high hopes because of Isaac returning. Hopes went a little bit higher when I saw that this film actually looked fairly good. It's the first one on my Blu-ray 4-pack that actually appeared to have been from a high-definition master. Really sharp image going on here. And third, I mean, three good things in a very short time, Nancy Allen and (laughs) not just her. Nancy Allen is a good thing. Robocop 3, you remember that one, right? Yes. These straws you grasp to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've heard of this person. I'm overjoyed that they're here in Corn 6. And Stacy Keach. <laughs> yeah, we all love Stacy, Matt. Mike Hammer, right? I think that was his claim to fame. What, what is his claim to fame? Being in just about everything, being a known face. He was a voice in Batman Mask of the Phantasm, Stuart. I can't believe you don't oh. remember. <laughs> yes, yeah. I'm excited all of a sudden for this film. Yeah, exactly. You've convinced me. You've pieced it together. I was just happy to see some C-list actors who were names. I will agree with you. Yeah, these opening images, the production value is pretty good here. The cinematography is good. It's the same guy that shot Corn 4, and they have some artsy walking through a slushy corn credit sequence uh, at sun up, or maybe at sundown, I'm not sure, and... Yeah, the shots of the car, all of this, this leads me to believe that it has all the credibility of the last couple. That it's not going to get worse, is what I believe, when we get to the start of this, and Hannah is on her way from Los Angeles to Gatlin, Nebraska. But then she picks up Zachariah, and it does have an eye in it, but yes, that it does. Is, that's no child, <laughs> so I know that he can't factor too importantly into the plot. Does he factor into the plot at all? You know... 
there's this weird pro-choice vibe that I get with this film. Like, he gets in that car and he's asking her if she's had children and that's going to be a big theme. And he's like, maybe it's not going to be your choice if you have kids or not. And she's like, my body, my choice. Thematically, I guess he's there for a reason, but I don't even know if he's a real person. I guess he's a ghost. Is he a... <laughs> I think he's a ghost with a broken down car. So he got the short end of the ghost stick. But I also got that weird pro-choice when he's like... Are you having children? Well, I'm glad I have a choice. Maybe you don't. It's like, okay. Well, it sets up the theme for this movie. He explains he's got a Bible, and he tells her the story of her biblical namesake, in which this barren woman asked God for a child and gave birth to Samuel. So I presume that here's somebody coming to town to find out about their birth. They're going to have a similar story, I guess. Well, you know what I really get? I get that this is going to be Hellraiser 6. I mean, doesn't this feel like one of those in-the-middle Hellraiser sequels, Arnie, where the, the girl just kind of wanders around and sees weird shit for about an hour until they actually get to the plot they want to tell? There is a lot of time spent in this first hour with characters and moments that seem completely disconnected from the original corn movie, from the prophecy that they're retconning in here, from anything that might be of interest to us. I don't know why Zachariah is here other than he gets that Bible quote in, and then he's gone. There's no use for him. He's not a child. He's not in with Isaac. I don't even know if he's from Gatlin or what he was going to do when he got there. Yeah, you invoked Hellraiser. Keep in mind, I mean, this is from the same creative force that made all of those later Hellraiser sequels. I mean, the terrible ones. Can we put creative in quotes there? Yeah, terrible movies. I'll go ahead and preview my thoughts. Yeah, those middle <laughs> Hellraisers are just abysmal. They were just pumping out this direct-to-DVD horror. I mean, they're still doing it, which is why there's another Hellraiser film and Children of the Corn Genesis to cap off our series here. So the fact that you're getting some ideas that are very similar and some themes, this is what they're considering to work for horror. I will say I didn't think of Pinhead once, though, this whole time. Now that you say it, yeah, there's a lot of just kind of random stuff going on here, but... Isaac is like Pinhead in those movies. He's just sort of floating in the background, watching other people be creepy. Only occasionally does he feel like he needs to stand up and say something or do anything. It's not his movie. This movie is about Hannah and, I guess, Gabriel? I, I don't know. Who are the main characters? We meet a lot of characters. She's looking for her mother, and that will take half an hour. We will meet literally 10 other characters before we get to that mother <laughs> including some that have no relevance to the plot i don't who's this sheriff woman yeah cora that's the next one okay well cora this bothers me a lot about this movie and you said that it's not in continuity with the first well remember one of the big things about that first movie is that the children have to walk into the corn before they turn 19 and be killed right well, yeah. Cora is one of the original followers of Isaac. She's like one of the children who helped kill her parents. Are you saying she's not under 40? I'm <laughs> saying that both she and Isaac should be walking behind the rose when I find out they're adults. Yeah, this is what's confusing is 
there's adults that were kids when the whole Gatlin massacre happened, and there's adults, I guess, that weren't massacred. Like, we'll get to this doctor later that's always lived in the town. I have a hard time understanding what has happened. Like, Isaac's been in a coma. These kids have been, I guess they all fucked each other, and now they've had kids. And Isaac did too. Did he do it in the coma? <laughs> no, I think he did it. Pre-coma. They had a few years there. He preached against fornication. But he had not hit puberty yet. Yeah, he, even if <laughs> he, he was 23. Even if he could muster that, he was against sinful behavior. He was Old Testament. They were not encouraging the children to impregnate one another. This is all revised. This has all been radically changed. The idea that they were all screwing and wanting to have new generations that would mate with each other is entirely wrong. I guess that it doesn't feel that way to me because my thinking was honestly, if when you turn 18 or 19, you have to go be sacrificed, your cult's going to run out real fast until I realized that does give you four to five good breeding years. I mean, even Old Testament and new, be fruitful, multiply. It is anti-birth control. And so they were, I felt, procreating. They had to keep the cult going. It was just never set up. I want to see Sarah's crayon drawings that has explained these 19 years. It feels all over the place. Kids having kids, this prophecy that's risen up out of nowhere. Not only that, but we can all agree this timeline is completely fucked. The events of the first movie took place in 1983. That was written down a hundred different places, in calendars, in the book, whatever. 1983. The events we are now learning are now happening due to this time frame being established by a baby's grave in 1978. By the way, when you add 19 to either of those years, you don't get 1999, <laughs> which is when this movie came out. Is it supposed to be 99, though? I get that it came out in 99. I, I don't know. There is a lot of new metal being played by these teenagers. I don't know. My thinking is that they realized, given the age of characters, that the original 84 date wouldn't work because then you'd have a pregnant 15-year-old and possible child pornography charges, although you could have hired above-age actors. But they went back to the publication date of Night Shift, the book that put us on this road. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's what they were in continuity with. They were in continuity with a story that they didn't adapt to the screen. Okay. This is garbage. If they wanted to get back to the original, have Isaac track down Sarah and Job, right? Let's bring Linda Hamilton back. Let's get some of those characters that got away into this storyline. Having Hannah blow in here, we have no knowledge of Hannah. We don't know who her mother is when they establish that it's Rachel Cody. That was never a name used in the first one. None of the people that we meet here even look like characters from the first film. If we wanted to have a nostalgia trip and get back to the original, do that. Get us Peter Horton. I know he's not working. Rachel was the crazy woman in the car who got conked? She was Rachel. An another person that we thought was dead? Well, no, she got a door slammed on her. I don't think that killed her. It was done by Linda Hamilton at the end of the movie. Yeah, maybe that was her, but uh, okay. They needed a flashback scene or something to establish all this. They really did. Connect this with the first film. Just don't make it so obscure. Yeah, I can't agree more because when I'm hearing all of this and we have Hannah here having visions... 
you know what I'm thinking about is that little girl with the crayon drawings. Make her the mother. I mean, I realize she's a little young, but we're playing with time anyway. If she was the mother and this is the psychic child of a psychic child, then that would be better. I kept looking up all these names, Rachel, Hannah, trying to find out who they were from the first one. You're bringing back Isaac. You needed to bring back more. Yes, Malachi is dead. We saw his neck break. Not that we didn't see Isaac die too. Yeah, but I was going to say. Don't bother getting the actors back. None of them were very good. But bring <laughs> back their names. Yeah, I was going back and forth for my notes from that first film, trying to link these characters up. I felt Isaac's return. Yes, let's return to that first film. Let's return to those characters. Like you, Arnie, I'm shocked that Sarah, the psychic girl, it wasn't her coming back or she wasn't the mother of Hannah. Like, I, I guess they're so dedicated to keeping these biblical lines like Rachel beget Hannah who beget Samuel. Like, they go buy your first corn film. Don't go by the Bible. Piece of advice for you. Uh, here's the only continuity they do follow. Remember Remember Amos? He was the kid that Peter Horton found in the church that was cutting up his chest, that was just so happy to be spending his 19th birthday being devoured by he who walks behind the rose. This is the father of Hannah, and he apparently slept with Rachel, Nancy Allen. That's the family lineage for Hannah. That was then the firstborn girl. So Isaac had his son before this. With who? Who would screw that? He's the leader. He has power. He, he has, has fame. Choice I mean, I kids. wonder who's going to yeah. screw the lead singer of the Cars and he married a supermodel. <laughs> so we can just presume that Isaac and his, I mean, he was not playing like he had a growth deficiency when he was 23. He seemed like he was about 10, 11 years old, but okay. He was playing 12, which puts him in this film to be 31. Right. Okay. And he certainly looks it. When I see him in that bed, I realize suddenly he cannot play 12 anymore. My whole hope <laughs> that his ghostly specter would come out and be the same age? No. Right. He has been in a coma awaiting the return of this child. This has all been prophesied. Give me this book. Like, apparently everything I need to know will be in that stupid corn Bible if someone would just read it. I mean, just have that as an extra on one of these DVDs. Tell me what the prophecy is. They have no extras on these DVDs. Thank God it's saving me hours of commentary <laughs> listening. But there's no prophecy. They're just making it up as they go along. I mean, there's literally, she stops and has a coffee. Oh, it was written. You would be drinking a mochaccino. I mean. Yeah, at, at one point she like leaves and they're like, she'll be back. The prophecy says she has to find out all this for herself. Like this prophecy is like, whatever happens, we've actually prophesied. Yeah. It's actually really specific for a prophecy. Most of them are like fortune cookies. This one's like, she will come back to town. He will wake up. She will find this out for herself. I mean, it's funny that it didn't put in, oh yeah, and Gabriel's the one. But yeah, Gabriel is the person that is introduced in the story. He works at the hospital. He drives her car back because the sheriff has taken her to the hospital. She's faked an injury that Stacy Keach has signed off on and said, she's okay. So he brings her her car. She gets in that car. She is here to raid this hospital and find the birth certificate, right? Or to find the mother that she believes is still going to be a resident here? The mission is cloudy. She's looking for information about her birth. I mean, you got to start somewhere. I know several people who were adopted and have gone hunting for their birth mothers. And yes, birth certificates are usually the starting point. Whether her mother was there or not, at least finding a name would have been a good start. 
But, but come on, if her mother, Rachel, was part of this cult, they kept birth certificates? They filled out the paperwork? Uh, in, in a hospital. <laughs> they just didn't have kids? Yeah, like... Yeah, I know. Wouldn't it be like using margarine on a husk or something? Like, they, they wouldn't have gone to the hospital and, like, typed it up and filed it away. I get that they want to keep track of the kid's age so they know when they have to kill themselves at 19, but they're not filling out, like, state official papers. No. No, they'd have that book. She'd be written in the book yeah exactly oh i didn't even catch that good call guys i was looking at other problems i didn't (laughs) there's so many to look at yes no what we get is a conspiracy a cover-up of which i don't understand who is doing it there is a death certificate from halloween 1978 and i eventually realized that they expect me to believe that the original movie took place on halloween 1978 and so we're to believe that someone wanted to pretend that hannah did not live that her baby grave is empty and that she was allowed to escape and that her visions have brought her back here and it is not the wish of nancy allen that she be here that she's trying to drive her off the road and chase her out of town in a muddy truck I thought we were getting truck flashbacks. I couldn't tell if there was a driver in there or not. I'm like, is the truck driving itself? Are we combining movies here? Well, what got me, we are now to believe Rachel, crazy bitch from part one, who was practically orgasming on the altar while preaching he who walks behind the rose and watching her lover carve his own chest and was the last one to pick up a scythe against the Outlanders. She herself, who seemed to be like second only to Isaac in terms of devotion, she went, eh, no, you can't have my baby, and smuggled it out of town and faked its death? Or did she fake the death? Because at some point, she's going to the gravesite and mourning. So does she think the baby died, or did she plant the conspiracy? I can't even tell. She planted the conspiracy with, I know you guys are itching to talk about him, Doc Michaels, Stacy Keach. Apparently, in addition to a gas station attendant, they also kept a doctor locked up, and he decided to stay when the cult was disbanded. <laughs> what would you go to the doctor for? We've killed all the parents. Please don't stop the bleeding. But what? I'm pregnant. <laughs> there we go. Okay. Okay, I, I get it. Maybe these kids were smart. Well, I have to have a doctor because we're all going to screw each other and have kids. We need some professional medical help. We need someone to fill out the paperwork to file with the state <laughs> and the federal government. That's actually the case. I bet he was doing the birth certificates then. Oh, it oh. all makes sense. <laughs> yes. It's in the prophecy. I, I prophesied in a vision. I ha- I saw this coming to be. So, yeah, I, in my wildest dreams, I wouldn't imagine that Stacy Keach would be a part of the corn cult uh, way back in 1978 or 1983, whatever it was. But uh, he was middle-aged even back then. Now he is an old man. He has been hanging out, trying to stop this prophecy from happening. That is the core of his existence is that he wants to make sure that the new generation of corn kids is not born. Is it? I I don't know. They do so much to try to fake you out. Like, Hannah's snooping around his office, and he's got, like, what? Pig fetuses and jars and cabinets for some reason. And they're trying to trick you with this guy. I don't know what his motive is. I don't know what anyone's motive's here. They're trying to stop, or are they, (laughs) Hannah from getting to Isaac? If you want to stop Isaac, it's really easy. There's an electrical cord that's keeping his brain function alive. You pull the plug, and that's the end of it. No prophecy, right? Yeah, except there's a crazy guy walking around this hospital because in addition to uh, 
medical hospital. It's apparently a mental institution. There's a crazy guy named Jacob. Go figure that naming of a crazy guy yes. who tries to smother Isaac. I mean, there's a bunch of kids in this hospital, unless those were ghosts, too. I just took it like, here's the kids that didn't want to return to society. They're being kept in the basement? They're the children of the children. We're eventually told all of the kids from 1978, 83, all the kids from the first movie got pregnant, gave birth, and now, yeah, these kids hang out in the uh, lower levels of the rundown Gatlin General Hospital. But Jacob is like 50. I mean, yeah. he does not look young enough to be a children of the children. No, he's Cora's brother. Yeah. Okay. And, yeah, so why those original generation didn't sacrifice themselves, why that they're now middle-aged, I guess it's like anything. I mean, didn't Mick Jagger say that, you know, I hope I die before I get old in, in one of those songs, and, you know, they're still on tour. I guess they feel like they can make the religion work for them at whatever age they are. They're still going to be a part of this cult, even though they are decades beyond childhood. Well, the thing is, I don't get the sense that there even is a cult. Like, Isaac's still alive in a coma. Maybe they're waiting for him to come around. Do they all know about the prophecy? Like, are they just waiting? Oh, they all know. You hear whispers. Like, She's here. It's her. Yeah, She's but, here. You know, I'm kind of thinking, I don't know if either of you have seen the film Lord of Illusions. But it's where my mind went. It came out before this. I'm not going to say this ripped it off, but they're all horror films of around the same time where there was a religious cult. The cult leader was buried underground and the culties all disbanded and went and lived regular lives until their cult leader was resurrected. And then the cult members were called. They slayed their families and returned to the cult because that was their true calling. That's kind of what I took here is they're all like... In their heart, they're still cult members, but they're not actively worshiping. They're just trying to pay the bills until the prophecy is fulfilled. So that's why they're also excited she's here. Okay, so let's talk about the prophecy. It takes forever for the movie to explain. We should just go ahead and blow it. The prophecy is she's going to get knocked up. So what? That's what I got to say. They don't ever imply that the baby is going to be Hubie or the devil or anything bad. She's just going to have a baby. And maybe it will grow up and have a cult of its own. Maybe. I believe when they say that the baby is the first of the chosen, that yes, that means there's something about him that is antichrist-like. Yeah, Isaac throws out that she'll be the mother to a superior race, whatever that means. It's one line thrown out there. I thought it was going to be bringing Hubie into the flesh. Yeah, it could be bullshit. It could just be like the Nazi superior race, but... Yeah, it's his lineage. It's his seed. I mean, that's just arrogance, right? Oh, my babies are going to be superior. Here's what confused the living hell out of me in this film. Gabriel shows up pretty early on, and... Two things hit me instantly. The first is, oh, he's going to be the cool rebellious one because he's wearing a leather jacket. Yeah, we finally got a greaser in this King film. <laughs> sort of. But you know what we really have in this King film? Angel from fucking Buffy the Vampire Slayer. This is Gabriel. I don't know. I am about to spoil the shit out of Buffy for anyone who... <laughs> it's so old, who cares? No one likes Angel, so go ahead. No, they do. Believe me, I've seen the lines for Boreanaz's as autographs. In season one, Angel is this mysterious leather jacket clad helper who comes out of nowhere and just mysteriously appears, helps Buffy on her quest and mysteriously disappears. Turns out Angel is a vampire. 
but Angel and Buffy fall in love until they screw, which causes the curse on Angel to be revoked and Angel turns evil and starts killing those Buffy likes. So basically, they ripped off Buffy the Vampire Slayer season two here. Down to the leather coat, this mysterious guy starts hanging around and he seems like her friend who's going to aid her on her missions until they sleep together and then he's revealed to be primeval. Yeah, but in order to rip something off, you must have accomplished it. I mean, we're not sitting around wondering who this Gabriel guy is. I am. I am because I think he's Matt. I'm sitting around going, what is this movie about? Literally, scene after scene, we see giggling kids, we see dead crows lying on the ground, we see strangers trying to drive her out of town and be mean to Hannah, and visions of spooky kids. But to what effect? I mean, in order to tell a story, you must feel a sense of escalation. They keep talking about a prophecy, they keep talking about something transpiring. For a good 40 minutes, nothing is happening. I think what got me is I got two characters confused because when Gabriel showed up, I completely identified him by his leather coat. Later, this character Matt shows up and is revealed to be Isaac's kid. I missed the name. I thought Gabriel was Matt and Matt was Gabriel and Gabriel was Isaac's son. So when the twist comes at the end, I actually had to rewatch this movie to figure out who the fuck was who. So because I didn't see two separate characters, I just thought that was going towards the prophecy and there were going to be a lot of visions along the way, and I was bored as hell. Yeah, it's very confusing storytelling here. Matt and Gabriel, when you get this big reveal about Matt, I'm like, who's this guy? Why did he just show up? I totally forgot that he, I guess, was helping Morgan run the hotel that Hannah checks into, and that was the first time. I don't even know if we get a name then. Like, bad storytelling here. It's just confusing. It's already an unclear, muddled story, and they make it even harder to follow. Yeah, it's garbage. Absolutely. This is the worst story construction of all time. I May John Franklin never attempt another screenplay again. Here's the thing, John Franklin. If you're writing a film that you're going to star in, like, we liked him in that first cornfield. That was one of the few good things about that. Yeah. This film, like, he appears, he finally wakes up after, like, I don't know how long, 20 minutes in a coma, and he's walking around with a walker and a cane. I'm like... <laughs> wheelchair. Yeah, he's in a wheelchair at one point. This isn't scary. I'm, I'm not threatened by him. He was so creepy in that first film, and now he's just, like, he's... He's impotent is the problem. He's sitting there. He was the ultimate badass in that first film. I recommended it because of him. He's lost his passion. 15 years of unemployment in Hollywood has made him lose his soul to the bread he hasn't been earning. I really was just looking forward to more preaching. At the end, he gets a little of it back. It is what you said, Stuart, now that I'm thinking. It's like Pinhead in those Hellraiser films where at the end, he gets to preach a little bit and you get some Pinhead-ish lines that might make good text message alerts, but not a good movie. Isaac has some good lines at the end, but he spends most of the movie without even the fury and the danger he had in that first one. I am so disappointed in Isaac here, and I was so looking forward to him. Well, that was partly your fault, but I was <laughs> expecting him to do more here. The kills he does get are meaningless. I mean, he kills Stacy Keach. We have a scene in which the wacko Jacob has turned on the faucet and is whimpering in some darkened part of the hospital. Stacy Keach comes in to turn off the water, and Isaac decides to take a, a cable and stick it into the pool of water that's there. He doesn't fry because he doesn't have a soul, but the doctor dies. 
What is learned by this? Is it even a good kill? Could you even see it if you were a gore hound? You wouldn't get anything out of this movie. No, is he trying to get out of the medical bills? This doctor kept him alive. Like, this doctor didn't have to do that. He, I guess the Hippocratic Oath. But, (laughs) yeah, I don't understand why he kills him. I never get a sense, really. I I guess eventually you're supposed to realize the doctor was a good guy, but it's so hard to tell what's going on in this film. Worse, we're 45 minutes into this movie. This is death number one. Yeah. This is the first kill. You talk about gorehounds. What kind of gorehound is even going to leave it on for this duration? Yeah, no one. Yeah, this is a very unsatisfying slasher movie. Very, very. Let's be clear about how little happens. Because, yeah, this is a bloodless death that Stacey Keach gets. And again, who wants to see him alive or dead in this story? He has no relevance here. Uh, Then a lot of time is spent nagging Nancy Allen. I guess, is she... The mom of his son? Is she Matt's father? No, they actually are very clear that they are not having incestuous sex. Okay, so who is the mother of Isaac's child? Is it Cora, the sheriff? I did wonder that. I thought maybe it was Cora. Nancy Allen keeps saying the truth is repulsive, and I'm like, okay, incest? What? Tell me. Something. It's boring. The truth is uncomprehendable. Yeah, I don't think we ever find out who... Matt's mom is. (laughs) Hannah keeps thinking that Isaac is her dad, and they make it very clear, no, that's not the case. I would think that would be it, because, I mean, they kind of went there with the devil's advocate around the same year, you know, the incest bringing about the Antichrist. I would have really gone with that, but here, no. They're going to have a lot of mass murders in this horror film, but they're going to shy away from anything that might look upon incest. Okay, I don't understand the prudishness, but, okay, so we don't know who Matt's mother is, we do know both of Hannah's parents. Gabriel is the actual firstborn. He is not Isaac's kid. Do we know either parent? I assumed... <laughs> my assumption, I think we're all assuming things here. <laughs> you have to. Well, I assumed Gabriel was the actual first son of Isaac's, but he disowned him for whatever reason. Maybe that's not right. He's just someone else's son, but fits the prophecy somehow. He's someone else's son. Then how is this a prophecy if it's supposed to be Isaac's firstborn? No, it wasn't Isaac's firstborn. It was the firstborn. So what they're saying is that someone got busy before Isaac. Isaac was supposed to have first dibs on the 12-year-old girls, and someone beat him to it. And whoever that it was, was... It was that Malachi. That's why he had to die. <laughs> now, that would have been a fun Courtney Gaines callback yeah, if they showed a flashback there. Maybe it was Malachi. Isaac clearly hated Malachi, so I don't know. But what the problem is, is that they're telling us this prophecy we've never heard of is orchestrating all that we're seeing that we do not understand and that when it's finally revealed and we look know the players there's still these huge gaps in the family tree and why things were and it's abysmal this script is the worst script of a children of the corn film i'm not going to say this is the worst movie but as far as a storyline goes this is utterly unacceptable we needed to know who gabriel's parents were we needed to know both parents i mean this is a family dynasty who ever heard of such a thing where you have people fighting over lineage and we don't even know who their parents were yeah it's incredibly incomprehensible and that's why when it turned out gabriel was matt and matt was gabriel on my first watching i'm like and why do i give a shit (laughs) 
<laughs> I mean, I really was trying to hang on to some of those details about the parents. And yeah, Rachel makes a lot more sense, but the rest of them still don't have any ties to that backstory. And yeah, Gabriel, the fact is he's the child of he who walks behind the rose, or he is he who walks behind the rose or something. I mean, if he who walks behind the rose was an infant in we'll say 1978 when the first movie happened, then what was the big cartoon mushroom in the sky? Yeah, you're, no, you're not going to get any rewards for trying to tie this to any previous corn film. None. I mean, seriously. Just like all the other sequels. None of this stuff fits. Yeah, just like all the other sequels. Exactly. Let us stress that. Just like all the other sequels, this has absolutely no ties to the original other than some passing references that don't amount to shit. Yeah, John Franklin's in this, but don't expect it to be the same character or the same storyline or have the same effect. But he's going to have this new generation branded. His son, Matt... And Hannah are going to get this. What are they getting? Seas? Is seas on the palm? I thought they were uh, they were harvest moons, weren't they? I don't know. It was some <laughs> branding. I mean, it looks like it hurt. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They insist on sticking hot pokers on their hands, and then they're supposed to have procreate for their enjoyment. But Gabriel, through some trickery, working with Morgan, I don't know. A lot of different people help. Hannah usher away from this bonfire destiny and she ends up in a barn with Gabriel. And if the entire time you've been in town from the ghostly preacher on the outskirts down to Isaac is talking to you about procreation, do you really think even the guy who rescued you is going to turn you on enough to get laid? Here's the thing, like they don't even try to make this natural it's just like um yeah i've been chased in the corn for a while i gotta take a shower can you hold this hose like huh <laughs> you're in a you're in a stable there's horse shit all over and you're gonna <laughs> shower down and fuck i can understand why she might want to shower but all of a sudden you're like and now your turn let's switch i'm like huh yeah, this night does not seem like a turn-on to me. No. Yeah, I, ma I can only imagine that that water is very cold, and <laughs> I, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And she's taking the shower clothed, and his back is to her. It doesn't even seem like the shower was, at least in the beginning, a seduction scene, but... Much like everything else out of this movie, out of absolutely nowhere, the screen fades and he's on top of her. Yeah, slow-mo sex. You gotta have it, right? It's a 90s movie. Titty shot? I couldn't really tell. No. Nope. No, I was looking. And all I'm thinking while she's having sex is, don't you listen to your mother? She said everything you do, you're playing into the prophecy. The prophecy is you're gonna have a kid. Now you've got a dick in you. Look, Rachel should have, just like the writers of this film should have, shown us this damn prophecy. Maybe she had shown her the prophecy. Hannah would have been a little bit more careful. I blame it on Rachel as I blame this film on the writers. Yeah, I mean, if she really wanted Rachel out of town, she would have given her a ride to Hemingford, not tried to, like, drive her off the road in that muddy truck. I mean, no one is doing anything to get the response that they want. Except Gabriel. I guess this has all been a seductive... He knew that... Her being chased through a cornfield by guys on motorbikes would get her revved up for some barn. It's in the prophecy. Yeah, it was in the prophecy that she'd have this tussle in the hay. And now the seed has been sown. He could be done. I don't know why he doesn't just disappear. His work is done. Is this when he gets the power? For what? What power? He becomes magical at this moment. I thought he had it all along and now this is just when it's getting revealed. I wasn't sure if he had it. 
or if like I guess because I was so influenced by Buffy when Angel <laughs> got laid he became evil here we haven't seen Gabriel do anything fancy right he seemed like a perfectly normal I mean we the audience are supposed to think he's the nice guy and be cheering on the consummation of their love and then immediately he starts talking to Matt and it's like throw yourself on the sickle and I'm, what what is going on why I mean I'd be curious if my new lover went in to have a chat with this guy who was supposed to be the father of my demon child. It's all very cloudy. He kisses him. I thought they were trying to yes. say that he was gay and, and something. It was. I, I really thought they were going with a different thing, like a scream kind of reveal. This was around the time of, like, wild things. They could have gone that way. Oh, yeah. I was trying to read, like, Judas's kiss or something in here, but I don't know. It, it's Don't try to apply the Bible. Don't try to apply logic. Don't try to apply anything. No, 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 no. They just want to have a music video. They, I think this is, what, <laughs> Evanescence here? Like, well, it's what is, certainly what is that this? kind of music I like and you hate. Yes. Why wasn't it Papa Roach? Didn't they have that big hit then <laughs> about cutting your wrist and this as this guy commits suicide? Your ignorance, your greed, your love. <laughs> <laughs> lack of script. <laughs> I will have none. Yeah, it was a very strange musical choice in this movie. If the script didn't take me out of this movie, this took me out of this movie. <laughs> but we've had now three deaths. That was the third. Second was Morgan. Morgan helped Hannah escape and got cut in half. That's the only thing in this whole movie for the Gorehounds, by the way. That was yeah. a little gnarly. Another Isaac kill. He was basically doing it because his own son ended up being wimpy. It was his girlfriend, after all. He was romancing this girl, and then all of a sudden this prophecy said, go have sex with this new girl in town. Morgan didn't like her, and so I think she would have done anything to get hannah out of town short of actually you know driving her to a, a new place but hey why do anything logical but yeah she's paid with it for her life got cut in half with a scythe and again gabriel's done his work i guess he's just gloating at this point that he wants to rub it in isaac's face that he's won that isaac's prophecy has failed not to be vulgar but is that the smartest choice Gabriel could make, knowing that his baby mama could still have an abortion? Do you want to reveal you're the devil right now, or do you want to wait nine months? That's what I'm saying. Like, it starts off this film, like, my body, my choice. I'm like, well, just get an abortion at the end, and problem solved. Like, yes, it's that's crude, but... No, I, I, Hannah doesn't strike me as a character that would fret over such a choice. She's not religious. She's not devout. Yeah, if, if you found out that you had the demon seed in you, I think anyone would consider that an option. And The Pope might turn his back <laughs> to that and say, give you the okay. Yeah, I think in, in cer even in that circumstance, uh, you might be supported from the religious fundamentalist. But case in point, yes, exactly. Gabriel screws up his own plan here by having to crow about what he's done. I don't even know what Isaac's plan is. He's got Nancy Allen tied up in the basement of the hospital with the sheriff beating her with old, like, broken <laughs> furniture bits. <laughs> I was laughing out loud at this. I'm like, I am really confused. Gabriel's going around killing people. I don't know if this was a rewrite or if this was in the original script, but they realized that they had to have something at the end and they had to up the body count. So he's just walking around having people like 
blow their own brains out and poking out a guy in the eyes, killing him. I mean, he's just walking around. And if you happen to be standing in his path, even if you're not in his way necessarily, he will kill you. With a word. He can just say bang and the cop will turn the gun on herself. And then he becomes Richard Dawson. He goes down and floats in the air and he's like, welcome to It's Your Death. (laughs) He's Freddy now. I'm really confused. I don't understand what we're supposed to be afraid of. And that's the honest truth. I thought we were supposed to be afraid of Isaac waking up and making a prophecy happen. And now Isaac is whimpering on the floor and we're to feel bad. Yeah, does John Franklin, again, be now that I found out that he helped write this, does he have some fetish where he likes to be, like, in crucified situation? Like, he gets crucified again, just like in the original film. This time he's <laughs> nailed to the floor. It's just, like, make your character cool. You had a cool character. Stop killing yourself. Seriously, this was written by John Franklin and John Franklin's cousin, and they wrote the biggest bitch part for John Franklin. Unbelievable. I mean, how is it that you make this movie... Maybe he doesn't want to be evil. Maybe he just didn't want to be that guy. But I think if you bring back Isaac, that's like bringing back Jason in part six after you had a Jasonless movie. You make him your bad guy. I wanted him to be my bad guy. He does nothing. And now at the end, it's revealed that Gabriel is the big bad. Yes, again, I really think they're ripping off Joss Whedon here, but they're doing so at the expense of making a film I give a shit about because that is a horrible creative choice that just is cornus interruptus. You know, it is called Isaac's Return, not Isaac's Revenge. I think we all wanted Isaac's Revenge, but he has no stakes in this. He just wanted to have a grandchild. That was as evil as it got. It was against her will. That's pretty evil. No, no, I mean, yeah, I mean. But not the evil we wanted to see. We wanted a return to that first corn film. We wanted to see parents slaughtered. We didn't want to see him walking around with a walker and cane and wheelchair and crucified again yeah basically they got one choice right they said let's get back to the little kid that scared us and every other decision they made was the absolute wrong one and they just kept going and these decisions were made by the little kid who scared us right and and they made one wrong decision and just refused to go back i mean every single one got them further and further away from any movie anyone would want to watch but then now that we've revealed that gabriel is hubie why do we think a knife will kill him Why do we think an explosion will kill him? Why do we think he's killable? He's floating in the air. Well, because we saw the opening shot. This movie's so clever. The opening shot was some stranger with blood on their face falling over, slumped over dead. That was Gabriel. We see it again happen here. We think, oh, if it happened in the beginning, he must be dead. I mean, how dumb do they think we are? Really? I mean, it's, it is offensive at this point that we would think anything that transpires here is meaningful. But yes, we're expected to believe that Gabriel is killed because Nancy Allen sticks him with a sickle. And then they run away from a big explosion, and he laughs. That's the end of the movie. And the movie ends there. That's what blows my mind. Like, yeah, there's no resolution here. It's just like... We needed that scene from the last film cut on with the baby with the fire in the eyes. We needed to see either baby or no or baby. Or Planned Parenthood. Yeah. yeah, she walks out of Planned Parenthood. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. <laughs> but when we see you guys walk out of the podcast with your heads held high, Jacob Stewart... Do you recommend Children of the Corn 666, Isaac's Return? Jacob. 
I, I imagine just as it must be tough to to write a part six and a part seven and a part eight and nine to all these films, it, it really is tough. How do I change my not recommend every time for these films? It's just, we've been on a downward slope. Not that any of these films have gotten recommend, but I thought for the first three, they were getting progressively better, and now they've had a slide. Stuart, I'm sorry I was so mean to four. Yeah, Naomi Watts will accept your apology. <laughs> Good. Here's the thing. I, I guess... Besides all the nonsensical storytelling, this what the biggest disappointment is, is Isaac. I, I don't know if I was as hopeful as you, Arnie, but I'm like, okay, we might get something as good as one. We got the creepy kid back, and then they do everything they can in this film to thwart how cool he was before. How I get it, he's older now. You could have still channeled that in, but what makes this, for me, the worst thus far, besides this awful script, is the disappointment. How the potential this film had, and it did even meet that bare minimum low level of, of potential I thought it could meet. So uh, pretty strong, not recommend for 666. Stuart. Yeah, and as far as my rating system goes, this is a husk. The second one that I've given, Corn 2 and this one are worthless. There's just nothing about them that's worth watching. And so I guess the debate is, is this the very worst film? The only thing going for this is they brought back Isaac and they have higher production values. But Corn 2 had me laugh, at least, with the wheelchair through the bingo hall. I mean, I don't know. Flip a coin. They're both exceedingly terrible movies. I guess I'll say this is the second worst. But, man, yeah, I felt like I was actually enjoying the Children of the Corn movies more than most of Night Shift. This is as bad as any Mangler or anything we've been getting. This is really a miserable time, and I just want to reinforce, this is not so funny, it's good. I mean, it's it's definitely not butter here. Understand there is nothing to return to. This is a horrible, horrible film. If you like that first film, and I didn't, stay away. Yeah, at one point in this movie, Rachel calls Isaac out as a fraud. I call this movie out as a fraud. This isn't Children of the Corn. This is middle-aged people still in the corn. I, I figure the sequel to this would look something like the cast of Cocoon wandering through some <laughs> cornfields. <laughs> I hate they may make a sequel yet. I, you know, we, we say that there's nine, but I could see Corn Tim with John Franklin coming in with that walker. <laughs> I just see Wilford Brimley. You check your colonel off and there's no reason not to. But seriously, I feel so let down, not only because Isaac lost his passion when he was in that coma and came out a weak-ass villain, that he's not even the villain of this movie. This was a horrible, horrible bait-and-switch. The only question I have is, is this worse than four? I, it should not be that hard, I, but what? Come on. I'm going to say it's worse than four because four, I was bored as shit, but at least I knew what was going on, who was who, why it was happening. Here, yeah, the preacher at the beginning, was he somebody? The fact that Rachel was from part one, that's a horrible, horrible thing to not call out better because I barely knew Rachel's name the first time. I'm not sure it was said. I think we got it from the cast list. <laughs> we did, yep. So... I think that this was really poor storytelling. I'm not going to rule out the fact that they might not have had rights to footage from part one anymore. And <laughs> they just would have had to pay too much to use that footage in this movie. They couldn't use the technology from X3 to make Franklin look younger, you, you don't think? They didn't have that in the budget? <laughs> this movie, let's keep in mind, 
was one of the films made during the beginning of the downfall of Miramax, and they started cutting budgets for a lot of these things that previously they'd been a little bit freer with. And no, this is a horrible, horrible film, and I hate to say it, but John Franklin, you let me down, and... <laughs> <laughs> when I got to see you at a convention a few months ago, I was planning on having you autograph this for $40, and I saved my money. I'm not getting, I'm never pulling this out of the drawer again. Not recommend. Thank God. You make me so proud, Arnie. Thank you, God. <laughs> this series is not going to get any better, but it sounds like you're recovering nicely from your addiction to following horrible franchise into the gutter. Yes, resist the urge to spend any money on this movie or this franchise no 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 let's hear Artie. give us your reasons why you are hopeful for next week for revelation <laughs> yeah this ought to be good I, i'm not convinced he's cured i looked at the cast list for next week <laughs> what c-listers are you excited about? Mm -hmm. no 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 i consider this guy a list i mean we're talking top gun we're talking total recall we're talking michael fucking ironside <laughs> Oh, I, I thought Arnold Schwarzenegger was going to be in it. Oh, okay. Well, Tom Cruise. Okay. Uh, Michael Ironside. You're excited about this. The next Karate Kid. Hey, I thought he was good in the next Karate Kid. I love Michael Ironside. I even dig up old A-Team episodes where he was the one-off villain of the week that has him in it. And there's two of them, and he's different villains each time. I mean, I haven't seen him lately. I don't think I've seen him perhaps since Starship Troopers. So I'm looking forward to some Michael Ironside next week. If they're bringing in somebody of Michael Ironside's caliber, obviously they're setting their bar a little bit higher. I, see, I'm disappointed. I thought we would get Jeff Fahey here. Maybe Candyman. <laughs> I guess I can wait for part eight. All right. I'll suffer through this. I'm just grateful that we've only got a few more rows to hoe. Well, Stuart, let's hoe them faster. What do you say? Let's. I think you, me, Jacob, the listeners will all be happier if we could just get to some Nolan. So <laughs> let's do Children of the Corn 7 this Friday to cut a week out of this. I mean, if we must watch them, we I'm could just stop. I'm all up for that. <laughs> yeah, we could stop. But all right, if we must complete this, then yeah, let's do it really quick. Let's get over it. But also coming out this Friday, we have for our silver and platinum donors, Return of the King. You know, if you want to hear us talk about Oscar-winning movies instead of corn. <laughs> yeah, occasionally you might want to hear about a good film or that has a hope of getting a green arrow. Yeah, maybe. Are you saying you're going into Revelations with a closed mind? <laughs> Are you saying you're going into Revelations with an open mind? I already said Ironside. <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to find out about Return of the King, we'll have a preview for that out later that weekend. But it is also going out this Friday to donors. If you donate now, silver or platinum, you get... The Fellowship of the Ring and the Two Towers immediately, and then Return of the King this Friday, and then later this winter, all three Hobbit reviews. And if you go Platinum, in addition, right away, you get the three animated Hobbit reviews, as well as Leprechaun 1 and 2 already, and all the Leprechaun reviews as we do those leading up to Halloween. So, Stuart, Jacob, thank you for joining me, and we'll be back next week, Malachi. We'll be back next week. I'm leaving now. I'm gonna go find some people and tell them about what's happening here in Gatlin. 
I don't think they'll believe me at first. I don't think I believe it myself. But they will. Eventually. You guys all belong in an asylum somewhere. Looney Ben. Thank you for listening to this episode of Now Playing. Congratulations, Tiger. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Pretty much all you need now that The Sopranos is dead and buried. <laughs> Come back to NowPlayingPodcast.com each week as we review another film based on Stephen King's books and short stories. This is the word of he who walks by in the rose. We do this work for Shine Shadow. At our sister podcast, BooksAndNachos.com, you can hear Arnie's reviews of the original Stephen King books and short stories on which these films are based. You should look it up. You still remember how to read, don't you? In the NowPlayingPodcast.com archives, you can find many more reviews of Stephen King films, including Maximum Overdrive, The Mangler, Sometimes They Come Back, The Lawnmower Man, Carrie, Salem's Lot, The Shining, and more. Find dozens of Stephen King movie reviews at NowPlayingPodcast.com. Well, these kids watch too many horror flicks. Also at our website, you can find reviews of film series such as The Avengers, Star Trek, A Nightmare on Elm Street, Silent Night, Deadly Night, Scream, Transformers, Robocop, and hundreds more. Movies are filled with violence, blood, Support from listeners like you help keep Now Playing operating. Can't you for one moment conceive of something in this universe that's larger than you? You can find a link to donate using PayPal at the bottom of our website, nowplayingpodcast.com. $200. Uh uh, Joby. How much? Playing's Children of the Corn retrospective series is edited by Heath, Casper, and Arnie. I don't want to be the one in charge when the heads start doing 360s in a hurling piece soup. Now playing credit narration by Brock. He filled me with the words. The film discussed in this podcast is the property of its original copyright holders and no infringement is intended. Now playing podcast is not affiliated with the makers or distributors of these films. That won't matter to Isaac and Malachi. They'll take it as a sign. You speak for the others or only for yourself? The opinions expressed in Now Playing are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect the opinion of Venganza Media Incorporated. I am the word and the giver of his laws. Disobedience to me is disobedience to him. Now Playing is a Venganza Media production, copyright 2014, all rights reserved, and no part of this show may be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the written permission of Venganza Media Incorporated. So what do we do about the children? Tell their story. Let the healing begin. It's not too late for that, is it? No. I was just happy to see some C-list actors who were names compared to what we had the last film. Alexis Arquette, Naomi Watts. Okay. No, I'm saying specifically part five. Yeah, Alexis, Alexis Arquette. Arquette. That that? Eva Mendez. Yeah. Oh, I thought that was okay. Wow. Been a <laughs> long time in movies. Cut that line altogether. <laughs> Cut it like it's a bloody corn. Yeah, you're way more excited for Alexis Arquette than <laughs> yes, yeah, you really were. Until he, yeah, is this worse than four?
I, it should not be that hard, I, but what? Come on. I'm going to say yes. This is no! slightly worse than four. He's saying it is worse than oh, four. Oh, it is you worse want than that. four. <laughs> That's the answer you wanted, Steve. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay, good, 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 good. Yeah. <laughs> Tom Cruise? Okay. Uh, Michael Ironside, the guy from uh, RoboCop. No, that's Kurt no. Smith. Oh, they. It should have yeah. been Michael Ironside, but he was in Verhoeven's follow-up, Total Recall. All oh, right. Oh. 